Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 2, verses 4 through 11. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied nothing, denied myself nothing my eyes desired, and I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all of my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind, and nothing was gained under the sun. Thank you, God, for inspiring us with your word this morning. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Ben. Hey, everybody. I'm so glad to be here with you today and worshiping with you. And I always want you to know that anytime you want to be in a mask required zone, that's what that west balcony, we got a few people up there this morning. Hello. And, uh, and you know, next Sunday we have communion. We'll have communion up there as well. Um, and whether you're here with, if, here with us in person, if you're new or new online, I want to welcome you. And I hope that today you experience something that you need from God. And uh, I want you to know I'm not just talking about football when I say that when you make a big mistake, you've got to get up the next morning and renew your faith, hope, and love. Faith in your calling, hope for the future, love for each other. The Bible says God's mercies are new every morning. Let's pray. And as we pray, I'd like to offer the, uh, this really neat prayer from the 13th century by Richard of Chichester. Thanks be to you, my Lord Jesus Christ, for all the benefits you have given me, for all the pains and insults you have borne for me. O oh, most merciful Redeemer, friend and brother, May I know you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly day by day. Amen. Well, today's a big day. We start our new series called Margin, uh, Restoring Overloaded Lives. Uh, A few of you will remember that I did a series on margin my first fall here 11 years ago. Anybody remember? Four people. That is awesome. Yeah. And I want you to know, though, that I am not recycling those messages from 11 years ago. I've not even looked at them. 
And this time I'm recommending a book called Margin, um, and it's written by a, a medical doctor, Richard Swenson. Uh, the, I see the book table out there in the foyer, so after worship, if you want to pick up a copy, you can do that. Um, some of you are in small groups, you already have a copy. I've been reading mine on uh, my Kindle app on my phone. Um, so uh, in, the, in his book, Swenson gives an illustration of compounding, and I've seen it other places. Here, here's how it goes. Suppose you had a really, really, really large piece of paper. Uh, how many times would you have to fold it in half for it to stick, stack up all the way to the moon? Any guesses? If you haven't read the book, any guesses? Swenson says the answer is 40. Other places I've read that it's 42. I suppose it how, depends on how big the thick of paper uh, paper is that you start folding with, but if you start with a one millimeter sheet uh, and double it 42 times, you reach the moon. Doesn't that blow your mind? Does NASA know this? I mean, there might be easier ways to reach the moon, you know? Okay. I don't know how many decisions that my grandfather had to make every day, but what if what if the number of average, uh, the si number of daily decisions the average person had to make has doubled every 10 years over the last 40 years? That would mean that I'd be making 16 times more decisions every day than my grandfather did. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. But something like that has happened to us on a number of levels. How many times can we double the information that we get every day? How many times can we double the traffic that we have to go through every day? How many times can we double the items that are on our calendars? When we find ourselves overloaded, overbooked, and overwhelmed, what we're missing is a thing called margin. What is margin? Well, here's my definition. Margin is the free space between the load that we do carry and the limit we're able to carry. Got that? Margin is the free space of the load that we do carry and the limit we're able to carry. The problem is that today, most of us are used to no margin at all. I mean, we don't even know what it is. We don't even think we're supposed to have any. Our culture tells us to squeeze out every drop of life every day. Seize the day. And if you can't keep up, just consume more caffeine, right? Isn't that how it goes? When I was in college, uh, computers did not look like this. All right? Computers, um, computer was housed in a really large room in the science building. I used this laptop every day. I send emails, write documents, prepare my messages. You know, my first 10 years as a pastor, I wrote out all, all my sermons longhand on a legal pad, which makes the editing process very messy. Uh, having a computer makes my work so much more efficient. And you'd think that with all this efficiency at my fingertips, I'd probably only have to work a couple days a week, right? Same for you. But as technology improves and efficiency grows, so do expectations. And if you don't keep 
doubling production, you're going to be left behind. We feel that pressure, don't we? We, we experience the stress of that. And with all these pressures for productivity, what we're missing is margin. That free space between the load that we do carry and the limit we're able to carry. When I was in elementary school, um, life was pretty normal, I thought, you know. Um, I played, you know, Little League baseball in the summers. Season didn't last that long. We didn't have that many games. We never traveled out of town. Um, I took piano lessons except in the summers because I had baseball, right? And, and I had a 4-H meeting every month. That was it. That, that was my life as a kid outside of school and church and home. For the average kid today, would you say that the extracurricular schedule in the last 50 years has doubled? How many times has it doubled? With all our activities, what we're missing is margin. We've lost our wiggle room, right? We've double-booked our lives so many times that we're halfway to the moon, folks. Some of you could tell us how quickly credit card debt can double with high interest rates and monthly fees and one emergency after another just keeps that cycle going and growing. Sometimes, you know, people have shown me their budgets when they're in financial trouble, kind of, kind of a process that maybe I work with them on. And, and you wonder, how does that happen? Well, here's one scenario. The bank promises to finance your new house, and they say you can afford it. But it sends you to the very edge. Add to that student loans and payments and car payments and medical bills and repair bills, and it's almost impossible to keep up. I don't know how many times, you know, we've gone to buy a car and they say, well, you could, you could afford a much more expensive car than this. I say, no, thank you. What we're missing is margin, that free space between what we have to do and what we could do. During this series, uh, we're going to look at four areas of life where we all need margin, emotional energy, physical energy, finances, and time. And about these four areas, I have a question for you. Here it is. Which one would be most stressful for you if you had no margin? If you were always running on empty in one of these areas, which would be the most painful for you? Well, in just a moment, I'm going to have you huddle up into groups of about four and share your ideas about that. Uh, You'll turn to your neighbors, introduce yourselves, and listen to each other. And as you huddle up, would you do a quick glance around and just make sure there's nobody by themselves, and you you can invite them to be in your huddle. And, and of course, if you don't want to do this, that's fine too. Just say, no, thank you. And if you do get in a group and you'd rather not say anything, but you'd rather just listen, that's that's fine too. You'll have to move right along, though, because I'm only giving you about two minutes, starting now.
<laughs> That's right. All right, sounds like you had some good things to share with each other, and maybe you can chat a little bit more after uh, worship with each other. That'd be good. Well, today we're going to look at someone who filled his life to the brim and beyond. He kept himself extremely busy. Compared to most people of his day, this guy kind of almost felt he had no limits. His name was Solomon, the son of King David. Solomon reigned over Israel uh, in the mid-10th century B.C. So, please open your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 2, in the Pew Bibles on page 663. Now, this book was traditionally credited to Solomon, though it may have been written some centuries later by an unknown teacher about Solomon. We're really not, I'm not quite sure. In verses 4 through 10, Solomon recounts his grand experiment to find out his purpose in the world. What is, what's life worth living? What makes it worth living? And Solomon reached the heights of accomplishment that few people could parallel. He indulged himself in more pleasures than a person has the right to expect. He accumulated more wealth than possibly any other person in his time. Today, he'd probably be one of those billionaires who enjoy recre recreational space travel, right? Let's look at verse 9. He said, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. Don't you just love his humility? Right? <laughs> uh, it was Solomon who built the first temple in Jerusalem. Uh, he had slaves that, that quarried magnificent stones for the outside of the temple. And everything inside was overlaid with gold. It was a wonder of the ancient world. Solomon spent seven years building the temple. And then he spent the next 13 years building his new palace. Uh, it wasn't huge maybe by today's standards, but it was fancy. Then in verse 10, Solomon summarizes his exploits. He said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Can you imagine Solomon's social media posts? I mean, his house, his gardens, his servants, his food, all the beautiful people he's with. Solomon poured out his life into reaching the highest peaks of accomplishment, the most outlandish shows of wealth, the greatest excesses of desire. And the question is, was it enough? Was it enough, Solomon? 
And the, let's see what he says in verse 11. He says, Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. Chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. Solomon realized that his accomplishments could not extend his life a single day. And one day, everything that he built would lie in ruins and be gone forever. Of course, now, nearly 3,000 years later, that's true. It's gone. What was Solomon chasing all those years? Well, in the end, he wasn't sure. <laughs> he said it was elusive, like chasing the wind. We're not so unlike Solomon, you and I. We find ourselves chasing the same kinds of things. And our homes get overloaded with stuff and our bodies get overloaded with food and our calendars get overloaded with activities and our paychecks get overloaded with payments. And we end up feeling depleted, empty, exhausted, discouraged. Sometimes we... We stop and wonder. We ask ourselves, what am I chasing? Who am I trying to impress? What is it all for? When I, when I was a pastor in Lincoln, there was a lot of pressure on me. And, and probably I put most of it on myself to, to start this new church and make it a, a growing, thriving enterprise. I mean, I worked really hard. Didn't I, Trish? Didn't I? I worked really hard. She worked really hard, too. I don't know about you, but anxiety became my closest companion. I remember one evening, Trish and I went to a movie, and I just simply could not relax. I could not focus. I could not enjoy it. I mean, it's like I'd been wound up so tight, and I'd been pushing myself for so long with so little margin that I had forgotten how to enjoy myself. And that was when I decided that night, I said, I need to go see a counselor. And I did. I remember a few sessions in, uh, I mentioned to the counselor that one of the places that I feel most anxious is in the grocery store. Why would that be the case? He asked me why, and, I, and he said, was it because of the crowds or because you feel like you may not be able to get out quickly, or what is it? I said, no, that doesn't feel like it. And finally it came to me. I said, I'm afraid I'm going to miss something. With thousands of choices before me, I'm anxious that I'm going to overlook something I should have gotten. This past Monday, I, I went to the grocery store looking for some pickle relish for potato salad. Do, do you realize how large the pickle section is now in a grocery store? It is huge. But I went to the grocery store. You know, I'm fine now going to the grocery store. My, my anxiety doesn't ratchet up, doesn't stress me out. And Friday night, Trish and I went to a movie, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. I, we, we saw Free Guy. 
I haven't laughed that much at a movie since Guardians of the Galaxy. After I was uh, here at Faith Westwood a few years, I made a commitment to myself that I was going to do my best to not work more than 50 hours a week. For years, I had probably been averaging 55. And maybe some of you, that's no problem. You are wired to keep up that pace. You know, that's just fine. We're all different, right? The problem for me is that after a while, I pay a price for that pace. You know, when I, when I squeeze that much margin out of my life, there are consequences. You know, I find myself, I start going through the motions at work and at home, and I'm kind of on edge. Uh, I find it nearly impossible to find time to exercise. And emotionally, I become exhausted. And if it goes long enough, I find myself on the precipice of burnout. When I consistently work too many hours, I also find that the investment uh, drops, the, the, the return on the investment drops way off. I'm not nearly as effective. But you know, since I have committed to working 40 to 50 hours a week, good things have been happening. I believe I'm a better preacher. I'm a more effective leader. I think I'm a, more, I'm a better decision maker. Now, maybe some pastors, I'm sure there are many pastors who can work 60 hours a week, you know, years in, year in, year out, without a drop in effectiveness. They give fantastic messages. They show compassion to those in need. And they write a couple of books every year on the side, on their day off, right? But as Dr. Swenson says, yet even these racehorses have their limits, as they will eventually learn. We all have our limits. And if we continually push those limits, we will experience the symptoms of marginless living. Swenson says, everyone I know suffers from overload in at least some form. For one person, it might be traffic overload, and for another, change overload, and for a third, it might be expectation overload. He says, for most of us, it is a combination of multiple overloads. My goal for us in this series is for each of us to identify one area where we can reclaim some margin. Just one area. So I have an assignment for you. And uh, Tommy, would you want to head this way for us? Yeah, Tommy, you want to head this way for us? Uh, and uh, so I'd like, here's the assignment. I'd like you to set aside five minutes a day this week, Monday through Friday. Okay? Uh, and, and go for a walk. Can you do that? Five minutes a day to go for a walk and hold this prayer before God and listen for a reply. So here's the prayer. Dear God, where do I need more margin? And so what I'd like you to do now is, is just take a moment to consider whether you want to do this, when you might want to do this, taking this five-minute walk for the next five days, what time of day would work best for you? Think about that. And so while Tommy plays here for us a little bit, uh, see if you can decide when you might do that.
Take a moment. Okay, are you any closer to deciding, ah, are you going to give it a try, this experiment? Um, have you thought about when you might do it, what time of day might work best for you? Let's pray. Oh, God, you know we have a hard time even recognizing our limits, let alone respecting them. We have bought into this myth that says we always have to do more and have more and be more. Lord, what we really need is what only you can give. Give us shalom, peace, well-being, a life in harmony with ourselves and with you and with others. Give us wisdom. Teach us, Lord, your holy ways. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand.